In this week's edition of the 405 Film Podcast with Picture House Central, we delve deep into the specific beauty of Moana to find out what the fuss is about. Spoiler, the fuss is well earned. Whilst on the animation topic, we also watch Zootopia, or Zootropolis, before following it up with the animation classic 7. Wait, no, that's that's far from being an animation classic, but we are going to talk about the Fincher masterpiece. All that and more as we take one step closer to Christmas. Welcome to the 405 Film Podcast with Sean Melton and Adam Libinati Roach. I get to go? You get to leave. <gasps> what? And I'm just going to not say anything. Because okay. oh. you're tired. I'm not tired, I'm fine. Oh, okay. Never tired, it's fine. It's 405 Film Podcast recording time. I'm pumped. Super pumped. Want to know why? Aren't you glad they can't see how dead your eyes are? <laughs> no, no, I can see how dead my eyes are, but we just watched the Fast 8 trailer, which we'll talk about right at the end. Oh, yeah. Leave the good shit You excited for family? So much family. I'm always excited for family. Anyway, carry on. Well. We Hello, Sean Melton. Hi, Adam of a naughty long name, Roach. Can you say my name right, please, for once? Adam Longname. I apologize for adding those extra things in there. <sighs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> So we had a jam-packed week, yeah, and we decided that we wanted to go see a film to on Saturday on the weekend to sort of have a nice day, and it was between Moana and Sully. <laughs> After and, finding out that Sully wasn't a third film in the Monsters <laughs> University and Monsters, uh, Inc. franchise, we decided to see Moana. As much as we love Tom Hanks and Geese, we decided Moana was it. Yeah, it was. It was Moana-ish. <laughs> yep, I would hope so film called Moana. Okay, so tell me your favorite thing about Moana to kick it off. My very favorite thing about Moana was the music because it was super catchy. All the songs are really great. Uh, Moana's main song was amazing and it's the first time since the 90s that I've actually went and sought out a Disney soundtrack to listen to on repeat, which I did when I was taking a walk yesterday. Just strolled around listening to Moana. How many times did you listen to it on repeat? Um, I was going through four or five of the main songs, just uh, in a loop. <laughs> so the soundtrack is song. Is the soundtrack is strong. Tell yes. us what Moana is actually about. We went to see it together, but this podcast kind of works better when I play the um, the unknowing pleb. Just what you are. It's also pronounced plebe, is it not? Pleb. Is it really pleb? Yeah, get on with it. Oh. Well, Moana is a Disney film, and it is about um, the daughter of the village chief named Moana who goes on an adventure to save her island, and she gets help from a demigod named Maui. And it's based in a ancient uh, Polynesia in the Pacific Islands area. So a uh, totally new culture for Disney and the first time there'd ever been a, essentially like in the princess category, like a Polynesian princess. Princess category you did in um, air speech. Quotes. Yeah, air quotes and so on, because we'll get a bit further into that. She's not a princess, is she? No, she's the daughter of village chief, but that's how they'll market her as. Like, Disney princess is a brand. That's all I meant by that. Like, she'll mark, get marketed under that brand as a Disney princess. Even though they make reference to it in the film. Yes, they do. Very tongue-in-cheek reference to it. A lot of tongue-in-cheek is going on in the recent Disney animation films, which we'll get to when I'm talking about Zootopia in a second. Mm-hmm. They're... There's an amazing line in it, um, but we'll get to that. So, yeah, 
Back to the score. Who who wrote the songs on this? Because I I thought it was just the guys who did the music for Frozen, but then you came out with no, the knowledge. No one from Frozen. The knowledge. Where did you, you like, get that idea from? Because I'm simple minded. Um, so Mark Mancina did the score, and he is most known for doing Tarzan and Brother Bear, um, and a bunch of other things. Um, and then the the songs were written by Lin Manuel Miranda, who's of Hamilton fame and other such awesomeness like rapping with Obama, etc. And I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly: Opete Foyer, Foyer. And he um, don't know why I'm nodding. <laughs> that was that was that definitely was spot on. That was oh. spot on. Um, That's what I did GCSEs. He's the founder of a group called Tevaka, which um, they're like a choir and a singing group that um, uh, they're made up of. Um, uh, like Pacific Ocean singers and they promote their culture and are trying to save their language. So all the um, the film is really unique because a lot of the songs were sung both English and a mix of different languages because um, there are a lot of different uh, languages spoken in the Pacific Ocean Islands. There was a really interesting bit in the cinema. Um, uh, I'm not going to say anything about the film, but for a good two minutes, the singing is all in Maui and people just shuffling it's a strange thing I've noticed in British cinema when I don't when I just can't understand it the British people just start shuffling it's like come on they're not gonna they're not gonna leave the whole film in a language you can't understand this not the whole film isn't for you Frozen opened with um, Nordic singing was it subtitled no it was but for the first little bit of that when they're doing the first like couple of lines of dialogue of the ice song was not in English it was in like an ancient just watch language. just watch if you go see a film again yeah. just watch like British people start shuffling I know we're watching it at a um, lunchtime screening with kids like we, it was amazing it's one of those um, if any of you ever went to like a kids club when you were young like a cinema kids club I did and there was a point where you just the kids all sit down and they just start walking around during Moana's kid just started walking around down at the bottom of the screen. It's like, come on out, kid, concentrate. Why is a kid? That's, yeah, no, it's but it's just and that, that there you go. There's a little bit of context. So the people <laughs> were shuffling, but they were just dads, including a dad who decided to like shine his lights in everyone's eyes during the start. Well, of the let, film. Let, let's not focus on that. Anyway, let's, back to the why, film. Why are we even talking about this? I want to talk about the film. We All have right. so many good things to talk about. What was your favorite part? I don't have one. What? I don't have any. It was all great. I preferred. I I was a bit annoyed. I preferred the pig over the chicken, but they went with the chicken. Well, the chicken was the token animal because he was stupid, and everyone liked him better when he was. He almost got cut from the film. Who plays said chicken? And why is it why does it matter that we're talking about who played the chicken? Well, it could have just been a computer or foley sounds of a chicken. There was this chicken doesn't talk. It just goes brook brook like every now and then. And um, the voice actor who did it did it under a day. Um, they almost didn't cast him because he's white and they were trying to cast all um, people of Pacific Island descent. So they really like, oh, we don't know if we should cast him. But it's um, Alan Tudyk, who's been in a lot of other Disney films doing voices. So it kind of made sense. But also it's fitting that the only white person in this movie is a chicken. <laughs> there we go. Um, but he was great. Um, but originally the chicken was a little sassy and um, more mean and audiences didn't like the chicken and they decided to make him really stupid and that's when he was embraced by the audiences. But he always went with her. The pig never went with her. It was always the chicken until they almost cut him. 
That's nuts. His name's Hey Hey, by the way. He's really cute. He's the best. Do you think he's going to be good as um, Christmas merch? Um, yeah, they, hey, are, have this they have this rubber hey, hey stuff animals. No, they have hey hey stuffies at the Disney store right now, and I want one. Are they good? They're twelve ninety nine pounds. Please get me one. Thank you, Christmas. Disney. Thank you. Disney money under the table. Thank you very much. There is also like the cast is strong. Yes. Um, and as you said, it's mainly people that just apart from Alan Tudyk or Toyk, as I've called him all my life. Um, <laughs> the the cast. I, I is, looked that up. It's definitely not it. The cast is pretty much all with Pacific Island backgrounds. Yes. Um, you put in the notes, Nicole Scherzinger is the mum. I had no the idea. Dolls and I didn't know she was Hawaiian. That's so cool. She was born in Hawaii. That's pretty rad. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't know. That's, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Rachel House plays the grandmother, and um, she was recently in Hunt for the Wilder People as Paula, No Child Left Behind, and it's amazing in that film. So she's from New Zealand. Um uh, another great New Zealander, uh, Jermaine Clement, plays a crab who loves shiny things, and he needs an Oscar immediately for his role in this film. He, he needs to get the best song <laughs> Oscar just to put Brett in his place, so it can be one all, because Brett uh, won for The Muppet, I Am A Man or Am I A Muppet. Oh, really? I didn't know. Yeah, oh, okay. So if um, if Jermaine can win with his song Shiny, uh, then we can then be one all, a flight of the Concords, and we'll give him something to go the new series from. So a new series of Flight of the Concords could be after Jermaine wins his Oscar and they're now fighting to get the next next Oscar. Here, take that, guys, take that. But you, um, so you've put in some like massive facts that Moana basically means a large body of water. Yes, her name um, means large body of water in Hawaiian or Maori, which is pretty cool. I was doing a lot of research because I found um, the story of how this film came about really interesting. Disney took a lot of time to research. Um, they created what they called the um, Oceanic Trust uh Pacific, what I call it, Oceanic Story Trust, which was um, historians, artists, regular people who all contributed. Every every design on every dress was criticized, um, down to no, no one would wear that on a boat. To that's the wrong color for um, this type of type of um, like person. To boats like that wouldn't have existed at this time. So they did a lot of careful research. That makes it a very special Disney film, and just a very special film in general because no. There's nothing's been made of any Maori myth and lore ever. N- not, not, um, not in I guess Western world on a big screen like world. that. Like I, yeah. they all have their own very rich cultures, but they're not. No one's really going to see it in Disney film. And traditionally, Disney films are like if you think of the Little Mermaid, what country was that supposed to be in? I think it was France, but who knows? Same with No Beauty and the Beast is French. Little Mermaid is like you could, again, you don't really know the countries. In Frozen, they kind of did it. You could tell it was meant to be Norwegian. Um, and, like they, and they had the symbols and the names, but for the most part, it's they're a little more careful. Mulan was a great example of one where they, you know, really delved into the culture. I mean, she was a badass Disney princess, not I guess not really princess, but yeah. So they they took a lot of care, and uh, still not everyone's happy. But I think that's hard to do when you're trying to balance the fact that they are a giant corporation. Yeah, for all those listening, <laughs> their, their goal is to make money at the end of the day, and we're not going to separate them from that world domination goal. But they've created something really beautiful, I think. For all those listening, there is something you all want to know, and yes, Dwayne the Rock Johnson does pull off singing. He does. He does, and that's we know that's what we wanted to hear from this conversation. So yep. we could have just said that. He's great. He's great. He sings well. He's great. He sings well. Yep, he's great. He sings well. Did you want to talk about the water though? I know you love the water. I can't. I can't. I got to speed through it. But if I, because I could talk about the water for ages. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, 
oh, it's CGI it look, joy. It looks real. It looks it really real. Does. And it sometimes and it interacts it, with hair really well. Oh, it's great. Every every Disney animation at the moment is like taking great strides in animation and Moana did it again with the water. Um, the last great stride with water in CGI anima animation was Finding Nemo. Not Finding Dory, Finding Nemo. Um, you could say the snow in Frozen was a great milestone. Yeah. Programming that was hard as fuck. Yeah, it was. Frozen water. Frozen water. Frozen water. There we go. <laughs> let it go, mate. Just let it go. Uh, Which easily takes us into Zootopia. The, the, the film with an absolute incredible line from Idris Elba. So much so that I'm going to play it here because I can't remember it off by heart. Life isn't some cartoon musical where you sing a little song and your insipid dreams magically come true. So let it go. Let it go. Let it go. So why do you decide Something to watch Zootopia? Anymore. How do you let not know go. the lyrics to that song? Let it go. Hey, stop now. Hey, stop that. You're wasting time. You're wasting our precious time. Why do you watch Zootopia? Yeah. What inspired us to watch this? Because we wanted we to do home? an animation doubleheader. And we also wanted to extend our love to our favorite actor, Alan, Alan Toik. Alan Toik. <laughs> Who is also in Zootopia. Zootropolis. Or depending on which part of the Atlantic Ocean you're on. Yes. Because obviously people here in Britain have no idea what Utopia is. Nope. They don't know what Topias are, but they're all about tropolises. Metropolis, Metropia. Yeah. If that theory stands, then Superman lives in Metropia. Metropia. I guess he lives if in Metropolis. Well, I I don't know who tested that film here and thought that Zootropolis was a better sell. They in probably the UK. just went to like a local shopping mall, like in here. It was like, do you do you know what Utopia is? And like, oh, I'm here. Well, it's a Utopia. Oh, we all know what a Utopia is. Actually, they yeah. probably asked these questions after Brexit, so <laughs> no one here knows what a Utopia is, do they? <laughs> anyway, Zootopia to the unwise. What is the Utopia? Zootropolis? And why is it such a special film? It is an animated film about a little bunny who dreams that she can be anything she wants to be and she wants to be a cop. And this is in a um, a world where animals wear clothes. They're basically like humans. There's a word for that. Ana Anamorph... Furries. An not furries. Um, Antimorphic... Well, anyway. I, I, I just want to put you trying I, to say learned, that into a gift. I learned, af, 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 I learned it when I made taxidermy mice and fun poses. Oh, breaking um, new... Okay, we'll talk about that later episode, your taxidermy. So uh, this is a world where also the classic prey and predator um, instincts have been altered through evolution. So um, prey and predator get along. And yeah. um, that's why uh, uh, Judy the bunny can be any can be technically anything she wants to be. She wants to be a cop. She does it even though she's very tiny. And she moves to the big city where she thinks everything's going to be all hunky-dory. And it is not. Because it never a, is. No, it never is. There's a murder mystery, which is <sighs> pretty rad. And she makes friends with a wily, sassy fox. Called Nick Wilde. Yeah, voiced by Jason Bateman, who should always be a fox from henceforth in films, somehow. That's a, that's, that's a very good statement, because now I can only see him as a fox. I only used to be able to see him as um, Michael Bluth, and now it's just like... Just like, watch Bad Words and you'll never look at him the same way again. But Zootopia is great slash Tropolis um, because you, you've pointed out its underlying tone, its underlying themes. 
prejudices and racism, fun for the whole family. Yeah. It's even like, um, it's like, <laughs> hey guys, come on down to the cinema, come to this kids club, let your kids run wild and watch a film about prejudice and racism. There's even like a strange term, no, strange scene where it's like, oh, don't call, only other bunnies can all call other bunnies cute. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're not being super shy about it, and then they near, were really then near the and end. And if I have to explain why, if I have to explain that to you, then come on. Nope, nope. don't need to. But it's just. But yeah, it gets really serious by the end, and they're talking about segregation and like wiping out the entire predator yeah. line. So yeah, it it gets it's pretty heavy for what's a kids' film, which I think is the the magic of films that adults and children can watch but children can still understand them and enjoy them isn't it crazy that we've moved on from I'm not knocking the next film we're going to talk about here we've moved on from Shrek that was the um, double entendre jokes of a kids animated film and now oh, we've come back to think he's compensating for something <laughs> and now we've come to these social commentary like Zootropolis Lastopia yeah. in a kids film we've come a long way no, it's just like it's it's a sign of the times mm-hmm. because double entendres were cool back then. That was Austin Powers era. Yeah, no, um, I, I think people are wanting to say things more in films and in all sorts of mediums. And I think at any age, acceptance and identifying differences and embracing them and and talking through why you'd be uncomfortable around somebody, whether you're a bunny or a fox, um, is important. And so I think it's a, it can be a valuable learning tool. And you've got Shakira in there also to spice it up a little bit. Why not? <laughs> Sorry. What, what? Shakira plays Gazelle, but I, I wanted it to be called Shakira. But she wouldn't have been able to like have concerts as easily because she would have been stuck in a tank and she couldn't sing. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair point. I like, look, the best thing about this, this film could have just rested on its laurels and been pretty much as it's happened. Like, I'm trying to say here, it's a good mystery film. It is. Like, yeah, it's a solid, like, kind of whodunit. I'm going to raise my hand here. I don't want a sequel because what I want is a 12-episode series where they go and they solve mysteries. <gasps> Oh, in Zootopia man. like the best thing about Zootopia Pops and Wild Pops and Wild the best thing about Zootopia <laughs> is the creativity in it like there's mini towns there's ice towns there's jungle sea there's, everything's all. divided up there's like there's so much potential here that little rodent village with tiny little cars that so tiny cute. little rodent village is just like it's the bit out of Hot Fuzz but yes. <laughs> it is basically Hot Fuzz but with rats and little like <laughs> it's like that's a good voice I think they were shrews though Zootopia is a great film and it's one to watch for all the family and it happens to you can buy it now you can but it's debuting on Sky TV this Christmas yeah there you go good Christmas film is it actually it is yeah. a good Christmas film it's yeah. got a message in it it's got a moral yeah it's fun which um, the the film we watched afterwards also has a message in it yeah. so we were having a double header on a, on some Saturday and something went wrong I don't know what I don't know what went wrong we, we watched Zootopia and then watched Seven yep because those are two films that definitely go back to back that was sarcasm right they, 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 they don't go back to back I would never recommend going from animation to Fincher ever ever it was a shock to the system wasn't it but it was a good film to watch um, it not see, I've not returned to it for Three or four years? When was the last time you watched Seven? Um, I don't know if I've ever actually watched it in full in one sitting, but probably not since I was a teenager. 
I I wasn't banned from watching it. Like I was banned were. from watching it. I was I was banned from watching it. There's so like there's so many films now that are much worse than Seven, like in terms of tone, and or also you... in terms of like the violence. But what Seven does amazing. Um, actually, before we talk about this, how are we going to do this? We're going to refer to the antagonist as the actor as Ebert did. In the Sixth Sense, would we give the Sixth Sense away? That's that's different though. And if is you go it? to if you go to IMDb, it's clearly listed of who the third person in this movie is. That's like a plot point versus an actor in the film. Okay, I'm going to be the nice guy here. If you haven't seen Seven, you use your use your you finger. You already gave it away. Have I? Yeah, in uh, my Nine Lives week, you gave it away. Ah, uh, no one remembers that. <laughs> hey, if, um, put your finger on your phone and scrub forward five minutes. Cool. So Seven is. Intense. Mm-hmm. It's like a film that fills you with constant dread for the whole hour and a bit, hour and forty or something that it's on. And it doesn't do anything special. No, it's not. It's actually a pretty straightforward film. It follows a lot of classic movie um, tropes. You've got new cop who's all like gung ho and emotional. You've got seasoned cop who is tired and just wants to go the fuck home. Rigs and meta. Yeah. <laughs> You've got the um, fucked up world. You've got a case that comes out of nowhere and keeps, you know, keeps them around. Um, even like within the case following the seven deadly sins, that's not out there. Like the, they're famous. Um, you got the wife of gung ho cop that kind of feels a little tropey until it's all pieced together later. And uh, yeah, it's like it's definitely not anything. It's not anything special. It's be- beautifully made. It's raining all the time, of course, because it's depressing. You don't know what city it's in either. It's an unnamed city. They never say it. Okay, it's I did New York think, but, ish, I, but they never actually I say it. I think what there's it is. one reference to it being it's New York pizza. It's when in a pizza place. That's the only time they say it's in New York. Otherwise, it could be anywhere. It actually is not anywhere though. That might have just been a reference to a style of pizza, but it's not. Ah, actually well in said. New York. Well said. Yeah. But that's like David Fincher makes incredibly well calculated films. Yeah. From what, like, you mentioned the music of Seven. This was also only his second film. This is what he made Fuck after off. he made Aliens 3. This is his second film. Holy he, shit. This, is the, this was what uh, he decided to follow up Alien. Was Did you do Aliens 3? It was Aliens yeah. 3, yeah. This is what he followed Aliens that up Aliens 3 with. was a... That's so this was, noise this was for before studios. Zodiac. This was before everything else. This, yep. So, like, we're talking about Seven because we're watching it for the first time in a while and because our housemate was like he's never seen it before so it's like let's let's put it on but we have a good question about Seven and about Kevin Spacey's role could it be a surprise today do you think him showing up like that could that be a surprise in any modern day film with the internet more specifically Twitter dirt rags and the constant joy that people love from um from ruining things. If if you have an answer to that question, reply to us on Twitter at the four or five film, um, and we'll talk about it on the next episode. Sean Melton, answer me. Well, first I'll do a little bit of setup. So um, hey, that was enough setup. Well, no, you don't. The two cops played by Brad Pitt, Gung Ho, Morgan Freeman, tired of shit. Um, they're trying to solve a, a serial killer murder. Um, and he's unknown up until the last 30 minutes of the film when he turns himself in and it's revealed to the audience who he is. I think that's a nice surprise, but that's not It's not an integral plot point. That's not the actual twist. It doesn't really yeah. ruin anything. So it's Kevin Spacey. Um, and they actually got him to leave his name until the end credits. So that no one actually looked for him, which happens sometimes. And you see opening credits like, oh, I didn't know they were in the film. You wait for them. 
and you're like, where are they? Oh, there they are. Okay. And it's in your mind. So he was, uh, Kevin Spacey is such a gem. That's why he's a cat. Anyway, he let, he let his name go at the end. That's, that's, that can be a big deal. A lot of actors like their names at the beginning. Anyway. And, um, that's and why I, he was a cat. I don't know. Well, we were talking about we don't know if that could really happen quite like that because they left his name off the posters. They left everything off. But then we came up with two other films that have kind of done that. And again... Yours was the best. Spoileries, because maybe you don't know this, but I don't think either of them are really actually big plot twists. So one was... <laughs> was um, Matt Damon popping up in Interstellar out of nowhere, which was beautiful. I just thought he and, was um, he was filming The Martian. I got confused. <laughs> and ev- ev- set, everyone in the cinema I went, were like, what? He's the thing. And it's just, uh, and he's such an asshole in that movie too. What a jerk. And then another great one is the end of uh, 21 Jump Street because everyone's wondering if there'll be any sort of proper homage to... Um, the TV show at Johnny Depp, and then he, it turns out he was kind of in it the entire time in disguise, and he's revealed. And a friend of mine um, very uh, wittingly said on Twitter that that was the last time anyone was surprised by Johnny Depp and film reveal, because no one appreciated his more recent surprise. Won't say what film, but nope, no one liked that one. (laughs) We're all depped out. (laughs) Tapped out, depped out. But, yeah, it's like, Seven is a film you need to return to. We are. We, we, I'm I trying to think of another good link from Zootopia. Zootopia yeah. was a murder mystery, nearly. Kinda. This was a murder mystery. I think. I think um, Fincher films in general, because he's such a, he's a filmmaker that's I think technical. I again, I don't have a film background. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but I think knowing the story and knowing the ending, getting to look at how he chooses to frame things, how he chooses to light things and to pull push the story along and develop characters. When you can look at his films more technically once you know the story, I think that's interesting. That's what I was doing while watching it, which I hadn't had a chance to do as now I could try to pretend like I'm a film person. Whereas when I saw this film, I was just watching films. <laughs> I am a film I am, I swear I am. <laughs> but that, and I, I was, I was blown away by the cinematography. A, every a lot of stuff lit by flashlights, which was really like you're you're always kind of squinting in the film trying to see what they're looking at. That's a really good point. You are you're always trying yeah. to work out if there's more you to see. Yeah. So Be- when they're showing like any of the sins and what's gone wrong, you always squint and you can't see. Yeah, or it's uh, particular angles, and it never feels like you roll your eyes like, oh, that was a very obvious framing to cover up genitals. It's always it's it's still purposeful and doesn't come across as hokey or annoying um the other thing i loved was production design particularly the notebooks i you went on about that quite yes, a lot you made sure I'm, to tell I anyone am, nearby well the two of you there are only two people yeah, nearby me two people um we heard about it enough times yeah they're in the opening credits beautiful opening credit sequence super creepy and they were actually handmade by um a, an artist person and a whole team of people it took weeks they filled six of them entirely and it drove them mad, literally crazy. They wrote a suicide note to the film in one of them. That's amazing, dark. amazing work. If anything, like, I'm going to try and like, round this up. You should go back and just watch films of, like, not just David Fincher, but his films just like, they, they he puts a lot of effort into everything that yep. he does. Probably the same with Hitchcock. I actually... Go back and I've watch like a random a Hitchcock, Hitchcock film. I, I would say any... Any, deep any kind of director and just kind of watch films 
for a second time because when you watch them a second time and not just because you love it like i've watched mean girls 12 times but watch it in a more technical sense (laughs) probably more um and yeah look at films for the production design cinematography and i think like i kind of really want to rewatch we were talking about rewatching social network yes um i haven't seen zodiac in a long time zodiac i can't deal with and uh it's too long even a gone girl i think would be worth a rewatch as it was our netflix recommendation yeah um Fuck. Yeah. We're going to take it one step heavier, <gasps> heavier. after this musical incident. We're going to take it darker. Even darker. And deeper. So deep. As we talk about Sean's Christmas film. Christmas film. Hey, you're not going to give me an introduction? I'm a jerk. Christmas. 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 You don't sound too excited about Christmas. Well, we don't have a tree. Oh yes, it's starting to grind on you. We don't have a tree, and we didn't get to go see the Nutcracker, and I don't feel very Christmassy. Womp womp. But I'm gonna find the Nutcracker online somewhere so we can watch it. We're gonna watch also, it. We're no, gonna buy it. There's no snow here. There's no snow here. Watch your Christmas film for this week. So what have we had before? We've had Home Alone two. Home Alone two. What else? Oh 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 oh! You don't remember the Christmas shit you've been shoveling. <laughs> I do. I do. Some weird film last week about some guy on a road it was, trip. Well, last week's was I'll be home for Christmas, but. What was oh, the week in between? Jack Frost. <laughs> oh, Jack Frost. Oh, yeah, you remember. You were just... Remember. So, what is this week's Christmas film that people need to either put in their DVR, if that's a term everyone still uses, or find us where? Well, I decided to switch it up this week. It was the Wednesday before Christmas Christmas. Because I've been doing a lot of... I think every film I've done so far has been a 90s film. And this week's was also going to be a 90s film because I am a 90s kid. But I am switching things up with my favorite heartfelt Christmas film that is incredibly underrated that no one talks about enough. The Family Stone. Do you know this film? Nah. If... if if my face was audialized, it was just the sound blank of no. blankness. Yeah, white paper, just Fucking white what? paper. Beige. Go, what is The Family Stone? The Family Stone is an ensemble film <sighs> starring Rachel McAdams. Oh, I'm in. Starring Luke Wilson. Starring Diane Keaton as the mum. Oh, she's Wilson the best one ever. No. Oh. Luke can't go anywhere, though. Starring Claire Danes. Oh, yes. Starring the mum from Twilight. Shit, I feel really bad. I don't know. That is her full name. (laughs) The mum from Twilight. Um, Oh, God, who plays the dad? Oh, um, I want to say it's Craig T. Nelson, but I could be talking out of my ass there. Anyway, it's an ensemble family film, and um, basically one of the sons goes home for Christmas, and he's bringing... um, He's bringing his fiance with him, who is uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, and um, she's really uptight, and her character is very uptight, and he's worried that she won't fit in with the family, and she her character doesn't. And it's just <laughs> her. It, it kind of is, um, and she doesn't fit in with the family, and the family's very low key and like hangs out in their pajamas. Um, it uh, it makes me cry. I watch it every Christmas, maybe twice. Um, it's funny. 
It's um, heartwarming. It's an amazing Christmas film. Your face and your hands at the moment look like you're accepting an award. Like, <laughs> it's heartwarming. Thank you so much for the speech. I'm just going to move my hands up and smile. It's, it's my hands funny. Are, my hands are in my lap. I'm filling with my sweater. Do you think uh, Family Stone would win a Golden Globe? <laughs> Christmas movies are rarely up for awards. We should change that. I don't know if... Um, well, they always come out sometimes at a weird time of year. I don't know if it was or it's a ser- it's a serious film. It's like in the family comedy drama category. Could have been. I I mean, if it wasn't a Christmas film, it easily could have been. But yeah, Christmas films always get put in a different category. It takes us nicely on to talking about this year's Golden Globes. Oh, you planned that, didn't you? Yeah, we nearly fucked it up. I thought that was kind of random. But yeah, Golden Globe nominations are oot. Yep, that happened this morning at 5.10 Pacific Time. Yeah, I read that just. poor suckers were up at 5 a.m. The people who did the announcements, which were Anna Kendrick. um, Don Sheedle and Laura Dern. Yeah, and a bunch of other people too, but they were all... Wake the fuck up! That means they were up at 3 a.m. getting ready. It's probably just didn't get to sleep. Ugh, that's so brutal. But it was a nice time if you're in the UK, because it was... Like, 12-ish. It was perfect. What are your picks from this year's nominations in foreign and domestic television and film voted on by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association? Yeah, those are my notes. To no, try I was explain reading the them out well. Yep. Thank so you. who's reading... Who, what film is leading the nominations, and are you surprised? Uh, La La Land has seven nominations for various things, director film. Um, uh, um, the Golden Globes also splits films into uh, drama or comedy musical which I always find it weird putting comedy musical together because sometimes musicals are serious um, but those are the two categories you get if you're not a comedy musical then you're a drama or you're nothing and you don't get picked for them it's like Deadpool's going up against La La Land the best comedy musical what category is, going on? is the best the best category ever it is 20th Century Women Deadpool La La Land Florence Foster Jenkins and Sing Street which I'm really excited about I was going to say Sing you're Street's back in Sing awesome. Street aren't you yes. you'll be back with that love that film um, it's just it's so strange that like I, I think it's unfair to put a genre film up against any of those and La La Land also I wouldn't call like when I think of comedy and not to not to diss comedies, but I think of more broad comedies, and I think that's fine. I think they're always great. Um, like I think Bridesmaids ended up in that list once, and I think that to me is the definition of a comedy. Mm-hmm. But something like La La Land doesn't make me think. I mean, I know it's a musical, but even the comedy in it isn't like you know. Anyway, I'm pumped for Deadpool being up there. I also um, got a Best Actor nomination for Ryan Reynolds' yep. Best God Comedy Film, Best Film Comedy Slash Musical mm-hmm. Actor, because yeah. you know, but. I, Jonah Hill's also up for that in War Dogs. But Another I kind of want one. Colin Farrell to win it for The Lobster. Yes. That's, that's such an underrated performance. The only nomination for The Lobster is Best Actor. I'm shocked that it didn't get anything else. Because, again, really great film. It did well. And, like, these types of awards always do look at money a little bit. Um, and it it did really well. And so I was surprised to not see that on there. I was really excited about um, Haley Steinfeld getting an Edge of Seventeen nomination for Best Film Comedy Musical Actress. Um, she's up against a lot of heavy hitters, mainly Annette Bening in 20th Century Woman. Emma Stone. Um, Emma Stone, La La Land, Meryl Streep with her 30th nomination um, in Florence. She doesn't need it. Foster Jenkins. She doesn't need it. Meryl, drop out. And then randomly Lily Collins from Rules Don't Apply. 
Um, our pals at Hoxton Radio think that the Lily Collins vote should have gone to um, Kate Beckinsale and Love and Friendship. Oh, not Kate Beckinsale in the new Underworld film. <laughs> That's not out yet. I don't know if nah, that would fall should... under the comedy musical category. He should win. He should win. I... I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut you up. Um, I'm really happy about Stranger Things being up in the TV section. Yes. Um, because very excited. It's 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 a good show. You can have peer approval. Like everyone's like, oh, it's such a great show. It's brilliant. Everybody loves Stranger Things, but this is a real plus for Netflix and the show in general because that was a gamble. Mm-hmm. They've they've said numerous times that Stranger Things was a gamble. Um, it's the Duffer Brothers, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Duffer. Yeah. And um, so this, it's, ah, oh, that, it is up against some tough shit against Westworld, which finished last weekend superbly. Game of Thrones, which hey. has eh. just standardly just they, won yeah, it. Yeah, they just keep putting it in there. And I think I think at a certain point when a show is in like its millionth season, like Veep keeps getting nominations, cool, but stop it. It's gotten enough nominations. Just leave it alone already and let some other shows weasel their way in there. That's how I feel about that. Um, I like that The Crown's in there to another Netflix show. I think it just it validates Netflix, and I know yeah. their ultimate goal is to be 50% original programming, 50% um other things and they're heading that way and it's nice that they're being acknowledged even amazon's getting acknowledged too consistently with um transparent, transparent. And, and the other one of theirs that's popping up in the golden globes this year is mozart in the jungle and that's also really fucking cool because that again it's it's allowing the landscape of television to continue changing just like the landscape of film is continuing to change with crazy that the crazy thing here is, like, when you look at the um, the people nominated for Best Actor and Best Supporting, they are Hollywood names. So Billy Bob Thornton uh, is up for Best Actor in a Drama Series. Liv Schreiber, Renee Ryder, um, Evan Rachel Wood, obviously, for Westworld, for Best Actress in a Drama Series. Oh, so but good. what I really want to win, because is it the first time this year they've got Best Actress in a TV Movie or Limited Series? I I've think, never heard a limited series run before. Um, I want to say they maybe it's a newer thing because there are um, there are more mini series now that are being explored. But I also don't know. I only started paying attention to awards a couple years ago. But limited series would be anything that they're not playing on continuing. Like it's one, it's a story that's told in like one set. Like I've not watched it, but I've heard a lot of people did the People versus O.J. Simpson, and it's. And most importantly, Sarah Paulson. Um, I've heard her talking on NPR's Fresh mm-hmm. Air about the role and about her research for the role. She needs to win this. Like, yeah, to make a court case that was so... Uh, <laughs> Very articulate. Uh, that, that's a show into, that... Into a show like that. Still, yeah. I need to watch it. Maybe I'll start watching it later. I've got to find it somewhere. I'm fine. I think it'll be on HBO streaming. Watch it from there. Or whatever. Actually, it's not. It's not an HBO show. It's an AMC. It's um. It's network TV. I think. Holy shit! It's regular TV. I just keep listing out acronyms. Yeah, I th- I don't know what it is. I want to say I don't know. I'm not Fox. So no, when does it? No when idea. are the Golden Globes? The Golden Globes are Jan, February, January. It's always the weekend before Sundance or the January the eighth. Two weekend. Oh right, because Sundance shifted. It's two weekends before Sundance. Now should we have a Golden Globes watching party? Um, maybe. Oh, what a downer. So, Golden Globes are Sunday, January the 8th, and there's one film that won't be showing there, and that is Fast 8. 
Well, that's because one because it's not out yet, and <laughs> two yet. because Vin Diesel doesn't care. And that was our really smooth segue into talking Can about. Can you stop calling out my segues just because you can't do it? I fact. No, I fact. That was a smooth segue. Smooth, not like Vin Diesel's head and the Rock's head. Smooth. There's another segue. It doesn't make any sense to call it out for not being at the Golden Globes because it wouldn't be. It's not out yet. Uh, Wives. Yeah. Okay. What did you think of the trailer for Fast Eight, which is not called Fury Eight? No, it is called Fate of the Furious. It's not even called F Eight of the no, Furious it because F Eight is a Facebook conference, and they probably took that. No, they. You can use the hashtag F Eight right now, and it has a little car beside it. Very cute. Why so they know they've been <laughs> they've been avidly Vin the Rock all of them been avidly Vincent my good friend Vincent they've all been using the hashtag F eight yet they did not put that into the title just fate of the fear anyway makes me upset this trailer was bananas in my head I thought how can you top dropping cars out of bananas. a plane um, B A N A N S and I think they kind of went there I was a little sad they didn't either go to space or the ocean because to me that's the next place you go to. Um, but they didn't, or maybe they didn't. We haven't seen it yet. Isn't there a Star Trek series called Deep Space Nine? Yep. There you go, Fast Nine. <laughs> so excited, we've got that. There you go, Fast Space Nine. Um, it looks, it looks crazy, um, basically. And I think this is a story arc that needed to happen. It looks like, it looks like Vincent is going to betray the family. No, no, but he not wouldn't actually. do that. No. This is a fake trailer. No, what I think it is is he's pretending to betray them to trick Charlize Theron, sexy pants. I think it's a common thing everyone does. Charlize Theron is a bit of a sexy pants in this. I am. I'm really upset though that there Helen Mirren is in this film, but she is not in the trailer, and I'm really fucking pissed. If she just ends up being someone's random mum who shows up for five seconds and doesn't (laughs) do anything, what a waste. Oh, look, uh, it's Helen Mirren. Uh, yeah. She wanted to drive a car. That's what she was hoping for by being in this movie. If they don't let her drive a car... Uh, oh, uh, no, she's totally going to be the super evil genius. Do you think so? Like the yeah, full mastermind behind yeah, it all? Yeah, 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 do you think sure. maybe she's pulling Kurt Russell's strings? And, like, mm. he's just, like, her errand boy? I just want something. I was also excited to see um, the girl they rescued in the other one uh, coming back. Uh, What's her face from Game of Thrones? Frizzy-haired lady. Wow, that was, that was cool. I don't know a name. Computer hacker. Computer hacker. <laughs> I don't know a name. I feel really bad, but, you know, shit happens. I can't think of a name. That's not Frizzy. That's me. Her hair's lovely. It is lovely. I want her hair. Oh, yeah, Frizzy just sounded negative. That's no, all. no, I love her hair. I want oh. that hair. I've never been able to have that hair, so I want that hair, which kind of makes me sound like a collector. Yep, does. Oh, You're no. just taking yourself anyway, further moving on. Moving on. That trailer was full of one-liners to stay intent. Yes. So could you reel these off before we go into the outro and end <clears throat> this fateful, fate podcast? I just podcast. fell in love. We got a tank. Let's roll. Ratatatatata. Submarine. The fuck? No one said that, though. There was just a submarine all of a sudden. Ah, whatever. Anyway, this was the 405 Film Podcast. Yes, it was. And if you enjoyed anything you, we, anything you just listened to... And if you have any thoughts on Seven, please tweet us at the 405 Film, which Sean will probably talk about in this conclusion. And, you know, as we record at the end, I guess. This is the worst ending I've ever done. Probably. Wait, do you want me... Am I doing the outro now? Like, the full thing? Or, like, an ending? 
<laughs> what do you want? What do you want from me? I was trying to go into a bit where we fade out and then the music plays and then they do that was. Well, that was kind of it. It should have just faded out. I, I don't know why you threw to me to do something. Uh, Bye. Um, Bye. Um... Good day. That was my Australian accent. That was the 405 Film Podcast with Sean Melton and Adam Longname. I'm sorry, Adam Libinati Roach. As always, this podcast was created in partnership with the best cinema around, Picture House Central. The podcast is produced by Oliver Primus and me for some reason. Be our friends on Twitter. Follow us at the405film. Be our friends. Tweet at us. We'll tweet you back. Subscribe to us on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends. Here's a fun Tudic fact. In Frozen... Alan Toik is not it. I feel so mean. He played the Duke of Wesselton, and in Zootopia, he played Duke Weaselton. <gasps> You're welcome!